What's up and welcome to the episode of the Grindline Podcast. I am your host, Greg. I'm here tonight with Ryan. Tyler's fucking off, taking the day off, whatever. <laughs> we don't know. It's a day to day. I have no idea what Tyler's doing. He's but, young. He does yeah. shit that's fun. Yeah, he gets to do fun things while us people in our 30s get to sit around and have bad backs from carrying children and running all over the place. <laughs> Kids just trying to destroy everything. No, as I tell my doctor, I carry a 20, uh, 23 and 36 pound weight all day. So that's probably why my back is fucked up. Yep. So, I feel you. Uh, Ryan, how are you? Tired. Mainly Same. because of kids. Yeah, kids. Same. But we did have some, we had a good dinner though. She sure didn't did. eat it. She threw her rice all over the floor. Thankfully, we were outside. But uh, we had some chicken. So I've been using the smoker nonstop. So we had, so it's called Mandarin chicken. I got nice. chili. Like a chili uh, sauce on top of just smoked chicken. It was fantastic. Should have done the chicken a little bit longer, I think, but I'm still getting used to that thing. I asked my son today, um, when is he going to stop throwing things on the floor? Never. Because I am really Never tired of vacuuming every night after dinner, vacuuming the kitchen floor because it is full of food. He gets to the point where he is done with using a plate and he will pick the plate up and turn it upside down to dump the contents of said plate onto his placemat. Because it's apparently easier to grab food from a placemat than it is from a plate. So mm-hmm. I don't even know why I bother. <laughs> but there is news yeah. in Red Wings land. Enough about Yay. children that don't, well, small children that don't listen. Before uh, we go into the giant wall of probably nothing. Yeah, they, there's still some notable free agents out there like Klingberg and Kadri. And I, but I don't think any of them really make sense for Detroit right now. But Detroit did sign one free agent after we had recorded... And I didn't do a five-minute major on it because it wasn't huge. But the Red Wings did sign Mark. But it could Pissick. be significant. It could be now. Uh, Pissick, people are sorry, like, I got you off right there. Pissick, 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 Pissick. Mark Pissick. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were not super thrilled with the Pissick deal. They kind of threw it away. We initially thought it might be a like a depth signing for Grand Rapids. I don't think so. He's thirty years old. He signed a one-year contract at eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It says he can play right D or right wing. So apparently Pissick has played forward at some point in his career. So but, is he like a, wait for it, a Luke Oh, Wikowski? no, stop it. Stop it. No, he is not. <laughs> he is not a Luke Wikowski. Last season, he played uh, 68 games for the Buffalo Sabres, uh, tallying 12 points, three goals, and nine assists. But he is what Jay Fresh had called an analytical darling. He has a actually, and people keep messing with my charts. I'm in here trying to look up information and they keep switching it out on me. But Mark Pissick has a projected war of 63%, an EV offense of 52, an EV defense of 82, and a finishing of 79, which is really good. Um, His defense is what is notable, though. For a team that is lacking on defense, that's a guy that's going to be able to come in and kind of just bolster the defensive power of your team. He's six foot, mm-hmm. 196 pounds. Again, not afraid to throw the body and he's 30 years old. So you're getting a little older there, but not terribly old. I think when I saw uh cat friendly's tweet from this morning, the Red Wings will be the third youngest team with an average age of like 26 yeah, next season. Just over. <clears throat> yeah. I had tweeted that we went from senior community center to nightclub in three seasons, which <laughs> which is really interesting. But Mark Pissick is coming in on a one-year deal. And based on the news that Jake Wallman 
will not be available to start the season because of his shoulder surgery. Mm -hmm. We needed an extra body on defense. So Pissick will be able to come in and people uh, like him. I think they like him. uh, At least the people from Buffalo, he played in Buffalo. People from Buffalo thought he was pretty good. The people from Florida thought he was good. He played uh, the past, I mean, 2016 to 2020 in Florida. So it's a good choice. Stetcher type. Maybe. I mean, he's not small. No, I think Stetch was a little bit more offensively minded. Yeah, he's six one. Stetch was what five ten. Yeah, and I think Stetch was more offensively minded, but right. But I guess I mean for the sound aspect of his game, like Stetcher played bigger than he was, and he was good out of his own zone, and I mean basically liked by most people. So that's why that's the first person that comes to my mind in that comparison. Yeah, I think Pissick's just going to be your stay at home kind of guy who is going to be better than a Gustav Lindstrom was the last half of the year. So I think at this point you're pushing Lindstrom to your extra D slot. Your seven D will be Gustav Lindstrom. Most likely Jordan Osterley will probably be waived. And then you slot in Pissick there because I think he provides more stability and a little bit more experience uh, than a Lindstrom. So that was the signing there. Uh, the Red Wings also made an announcement by hiring Jay Verady as an assistant coach, which brought our bald to hair ratio to two to two, which is a nice even split on our coaches that have hair and coaches that don't have hair. So it appears he has a beard as well of some, or at least some type of facial hair. So he's up in the ante. He's got the, the mustache goatee combo going on. It yeah, doesn't, it doesn't thick. go up. So it's not a beard, but it's the mustache it? goatee combo. Looks okay. Yeah. And I'll take it. I'll take uh, extra hair on our coaches because uh, that might have been a problem. I mean, they were lacking hair. Still some PTSD of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. PTSD of freaking Pierre Maguire going to the wrong coach. But you go to Fershweiler <laughs> instead of uh, instead of Blash and starts asking him questions. He's like, you're an idiot, Pierre. Hey, be careful what you wish for here because Pierre Maguire is going to be back on Canadian television. So we, we may see him again. Glad I don't get the channel, Ryan. <laughs> you never know. Could be an ESPN uh, broadcast. No, absolutely not. Jay Verady is 44. Uh, he spent his uh, season, three seasons as a head coach of the AHL Tucson Roadrunners from 2018 to 2020 and 2021 to 2022. During his tenure with the Roadrunners, he compiled a 93, 84, 11, and 6 record and led the team to its first ever Pacific Division title in 2019-20. He made his debut behind the NHL bench as an assistant coach for the Coyotes during the 2021 season, helping the team to a 24, 26, and 6 record. I think that's as good as you are going to get for being the Coyotes. Prior to joining the Coyotes organization, he worked one season as a head coach for the Ontario Hockey League's Kingston Frontiacs in the 2017-18, guiding the team to a 36, 23, 6, and 3 record and a berth to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time in franchise history. Previous to that... Uh, He had uh, spent four seasons as the head coach and director of hockey ops for the United States Hockey League Sioux City Musketeers from 2013 to 2017, where he posted a 136, 88, 10 and six record. Well, with Sioux City, he was named the USHL coach of the year in 2016, 17. And after the Musketeers clinched the Anderson Cup as regular season champions with a 40, 13, five and two mark, reached the Clark Cup final. In all, Brady led Sioux City to the postseason in three of his first four seasons at the helm earning two appearances in the Western Conference Finals and a pair of Western Conference regular season titles. He is American. He's from uh, Cahokia, Illinois. Of course, he is the most random name town. Yeah, I've never heard of Cahokia, Illinois. 
Um, but he made his debut with the Duke d'Anger in France's League Magnus from 2011 to 2013. I'm so proud of you for attempting these things. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he spent eight seasons with the Everett Silvertips of the WHL. He has a very extensive coaching career. And if it's a Lalonde hire, it's a Lalonde hire. And he likes the guys and to bring him in, uh, get him the hell away from the, the Coyotes organization. He doesn't want to go to college, I guess, to coach. Not going so, back that way. Yeah, no. Uh, but he'll come here, welcome behind the bench. Like I said, before they announced him today, I said, who? I have no idea who he is. But looking at so what, his is he, what roles are he going to take on? Uh, we lost so, the goaltender. Is he going to be goaltenders? Or? No, no, because uh, Westland is. Oh, that's right. That was the other guy that was high with Bugner. So Bob Bugner and Jay Verady will be the other assistant coaches. And I don't know who's going to do defense, who's going to do offense. They haven't really announced that yet. Well, as now we've got three assistant bench coaches. Uh, yeah. So generally you have special teams, uh, power play, PK, offense, defense, head coach. So that gives yeah. you. Yeah. So, I mean, we fired two coaches. They fired Huda and whoever was where. I don't remember who the other assistant coach was that got fired. So they fired two, brought on two. Uh, and that just they, that they fills the bench. Three. Mm, but they fire a goaltending coach too. Okay, I'm sorry. You're t- you're counting Blashel. No. 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 Nope. There, I I I feel like there was more coach firings, Ryan, when they announced that Blash was let go. Yeah. I knew they let go of Salako, who's the goaltending coach. Yeah. And they let go of Doug Huda. Yeah. They kept Tangay. Yeah. And I feel like they fired another person. Otherwise, we would have an excess of coaches and they don't just randomly hire coaches to hire coaches. So but I, we have a full coaching staff as of right now, unless they feel like bringing in more people. I mean, they could just fill the bench if they wanted to. I don't think there's a limit on coaches you can hire. No, I don't think. I mean, I don't. It's team preference, right? Sure. But I think Jay Brady, I mean, like I said, knowing nothing of him and then reading his background. It's good. Uh, I, I'll call it a good hire until he proves me wrong. He's got the experience, a ton of it. He's got a mm-hmm. ton of experience. So I'll take it. Doesn't so matter. here it is. So Blaschel's gone. They also did not renew the contracts of Doug Huda and Jeff Saleko. Um, That's it. So were we playing down? Were we playing down a coach? Or are they just like extra coaches now? Unless somebody's going. Didn't they lose someone for the video team? Yeah, but then it would say it would have hired a video coach. But it's True. not video. It just says assistant coach. So two more assistant coaches to go with Tangay. So three assistant coaches, a head coach, goaltending coach were hired. Well, two assistants were hired. One was already here. We have coaches, Ryan. I think that's yeah, the main Illinois, point. So from Brad, is this from Brad Galley? Might be. It's on WXYZ. So he joins... Assistants Bob Bugner and Alex Tangay and goaltender coach Alex Alex Westland. Yep. So yeah, I don't know what his role is going to be because we know unless well Tangay Ryan his role is going to be assistant coach. <laughs> I know, but unless like Tangay is going to be more special teams specific, could be. I, well, that's kind of what Tangay was brought in to do, wasn't it? Because he was in charge yeah. of the power mm-hmm. play before I think Blashell took it over and screwed it up. We don't know that for certain, but that's that, our assumption. That's, that's, that's the our hunch. deeply held belief. Yeah. I know some people would be like, no, that's not true. I'm like, well, 
Well, we'll look see how, how it goes. It start and then look what happened, and things looked exactly the same as the last couple of years. We'll look at preseason. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens because if it we'll find it, out one at some point. We'll find out as we get close to the season when somebody probably asks Malone, like, hey, what do these guys do? Yeah. And and I think they they they'll dive into it. The reporters will ask. Yep. Well, it's not our we'll job. We'll ask. We know what's they'll gonna happen. Uh, that first question out of the way. Yeah, her first question, which generally the last presser, her first question was kind of a waste. I think she automatically gets chosen or she just throws it, throws herself in right. Right out there. So she went back, this presser, the one you haven't watched yet, she got her first question back. My first tweet was the presser has begun and Helene regains her position at first question. Because <laughs> in the pre-draft presser, she did not ask the first question. And then oh. when she got up, Iserman asked her, why didn't you ask the first question? Because she normally gets the first one. <laughs> and she stumbled over her answer or whatever. But she uh. did regain her position at first question. And that's actually what we're going to talk about next is the Iserman presser. There were some pieces that I pulled out of that that I thought mm-hmm. were really interesting, especially the piece that Steve Eiserman thinks Simon Edvinson is thick. Uh, he says his two C's and thick with excellent skating. Uh, they are optimistic. And if he's ready to play, then that's great. I think all signs are still pointing towards Edvinson playing. I hopefully opening night. I hope he takes that, especially with being down a defenseman. I hope he takes that second pairing slot on the left next to Philip Peronik. A lot mm-hmm. of people were telling me that that's too much defensive responsibility for Edvinson. I don't think so. Edvinson is a great defenseman. And I, I mean, if you think that giving him Philip Peronik is too much responsibility, do you remember when we gave Moritz Sider Danny to Kaiser? Like <laughs> he'll be fine. Trust me. If you're, if your first NHL defensive partner is Philip Peronik, and not Danny DeKaiser, you get a you get a 10 minute head start on Mo Sider, right? Yeah. Uh, let's see. What are some other things that I pulled out of here? Uh, he, a lot of it was he was asked, uh, what do you think you did during like what do you think these players help during free that you picked up during free agency? Uh, his main answers where he tried to address some areas and add players that can improve the team, hoping mm-hmm. that they're better and that hopefully special teams and defense are better. Uh, He was asked about playoffs. He said he is not going to think about playoffs right now. We thought about playoffs. I think they are much closer uh, than they were coming into free agency. And I think they're, we had talked about it. I was in the chat on Big D Energy with uh, Woodward Sports Network, and they put up a poll. And I think most of the people said we could probably get a wild card spot. I have no problem with that. DMAC hopped on the train. He said he thinks that with the additions that were made, and with the mm-hmm. way the team's shaping up, and we'll talk about the roster builder a little bit later on, it looks like it could be a wild card team. If you think 100 points is the cutoff or 90, 97 points is the cutoff in the East, I think they could be a wild card team. Maybe they, I don't think they'll place top three in the division still. It's going to be hard. I think they could pull a wild card spot. I mean, if, if they do you send this fan base over the moon because you finally get them in the new barn in a playoff game. We get to hear what that place can be like. And we get the players, all these younger guys that haven't been there. We already talked about all the guys they brought in and the experience they've got, what they're used to Stanley cup champions on this, uh, out of this group. Like they know what it's like. Larkin doesn't know what it's like. Nope. Bertuzzi doesn't know what it's like. No, Larkin get one year. 
I'm sorry. I think I take that back. Did he get the first year there? That was it. Or was his first year farewell? I think he had one year. I don't think he, he got playoff time. I'm getting my years mixed up here. Where's hockey We're reference? so old, Ryan. Why are we so old? I see life. Dylan Larkin got five playoff games in 2015-16 yeah. and had one goal and 18 yeah. penalty minutes. The Tampa series. Yeah. So he's got he got a five-game yeah. taste. That's nothing. So nothing. So, but my point, like you're gonna give Cider their first taste. Yep. Raymond. You give Raymond, maybe Edvinson. Like the guys that you want to get that taste and get them hungry. Yep. If you may, if you crack the, the playoffs this year, and you know what? People will be like, oh, they don't need to make the playoffs. They're gonna suck. You don't, you know, you never know. Yeah. Look what Columbus did a couple years ago. They upset Tampa, one of the top team in hockey. Mm-hmm. Now they got destroyed in the second round, <laughs> but that was the weirdest, I think. Wasn't it three sweeps in a row? Oh, Each God, team I don't remember that year, if I remember correctly, because Tampa got swept by Columbus, I'm pretty sure. And then Columbus got swept, and then whoever beat Columbus, they got swept. It was something crazy like that, if I remember correctly. But it can happen. It's hockey. Now, if it's Tampa, I, I think it's possible. It depends on who they face in the East, but you put a team like this with the balance of like skill – an experience that they're going to have yep. in that situation. That's where guys like your Peron, Sherat, those guys step up. Cop, they're stepping up into that role to help Lurk and get that team yeah. ready. It's best case scenario. Now, if they don't make it, as long as they're close, that's what's going to matter. Because as long as they're, they're competing. Close, if, because if they're not, that's where I think we've said it before. Like That's where people are going to start looking at Isaac and be like, all right, dude, what's going on? Yeah, but you can't say it's not for trying. And and again, if they're not close this year, it's because every single person worth a damn that's going to make them competitive got hurt. Yeah, I think the big thing, and I the more I think about it, and the more I look at it, and I look at the numbers, and I look at the person, mm-hmm. I am super excited for the David Perron signing. Yeah, he's a character guy. He brings a leadership with him. He brings the cup with him. He brings the knowing what mm-hmm. it needs to win. I think he's going to be a huge guy for Dylan Larkin to kind of lean on and get that leadership, exp- more leadership experience because we already know Larks is a good leader. We already know it's his locker room, but I think he's going to get a guy in Peron who, who can show him a little bit more. And I wouldn't be surprised if Peron gets an A in Detroit. I would see it. Yeah. I wouldn't so be deal. surprised at all. I, I think that's one of the main guys you can look at that was brought in, even though he's brand new to the roster and the lineup. Like, see, like I said, to me, he's an upgraded Sam Gagne. Yeah, and you you lose an A in Mark Stahl. You mm-hmm. lose an A in DeKaiser. So mm-hmm. you're going to have, I think you lost all your assistants yes. or your alternate captains. So if you're going to give out three A's or maybe you're going to roll with two, I could see Cider off the bat. I think I could see Cider getting an A. This season, if not this season, the next season, mm-hmm. but I think Perron could get one. They might give one to cop because they come here with that experience, with that higher level of play on previous teams. Haven't cop Perron and Schrott all been captains on their te- previous teams? Schrott was an assistant. I yep. think cop was an assistant and yeah, Perron definitely was. Like, that's, that's what I meant. Like assistant captain, alternate assistant, disease. alternate, whatever you want to call was, it. Was Mata? I don't I think say- so. No. Okay. No, he played for, I, I he was in LA, three. but I don't think he had an A in LA. Gotcha. 
But I, that's one thing I think that is being maybe undervalued in, in these acquisitions is the leadership experience of the players that are coming in too. Because yeah, they bring in the winning mentality and they bring in a ton of skill and they fill positions of need. But I think there's the intangibles like the leadership capabilities. Like we, like we had said, Cop was Larkin's captain at Michigan. There's yeah. a leadership there. So there's familiarity and there's leadership that I think is going to help them take that ne- next step which I think is why a wild wild card is achievable if things go correctly, if the coaching meshes right off the bat and they mm-hmm. get a strong start and they can, uh, they can sustain that start throughout the season because we hope that Lucas Raymond, even though he excelled pretty much the entire season, hit a slump because, I mean, it's a long season. Most mm-hmm. cider didn't hit as much of a slump but you could tell towards the end he was getting tired. Oh, he was what? So, so if that doesn't happen, then I think you're this season because they've got an entire off season to prepare. They have an entire season under their belt. They're going to do more mm. advanced training. They've got more guidance. I oh, think yeah. if they go in and they're like 82 games, we got it. We're pros now. I could see. I mean, we were chasing a wild card yeah, spot before all star break, right? Oh yeah, they were right there the entire up until that point. Until the all all star break, I think I think they were just holding down that final that second spot, and then after the break, the wheels fell off. Yeah, they were right up. Maybe it was like leading right up to it. They were in the second spot, then right before they fell out, and then never came close again. Yeah, so I think if they could repeat what they did the first Mm -hmm. half, and I think they can do better because that roster was worse. That's one of the worst defensive teams we've seen in a very long time. And I think we it was have, a better defensive team than a couple of years ago, but it was still bad. Yeah. But I think Iserman went in and he improved the defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got defensively responsible guys. You got bigger guys. Yeah, so, if, you, if you don't think that he's improved the defense, like we, there's even Steven camper that we keep forgetting to talk about. Will he probably be in grand Rapids? No. Yes, yes. But like he has made all of these, it's basically a wholesale change to the back end. Now the front end, yeah, there was several guys that he brought in. We got one, two, uh, three, four. Let's see on the defense. So four brand new defensemen out of the current eight on the roster. Well, Iserman said in the presser that you're probably going to see seven new faces in the lineup on opening mm-hmm. night, which five, I mean, to me, that's like a whole different team. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Five. There's five defensemen if you count Edmondson in that. Yeah. So a couple other things I pulled out of the press conference uh, when asked about Perron, Stevie says he's competitive and they like the right shot and power play success. Very experienced, likes a veteran leadership on Sherratt defense. First guy, bigger body, hard to play against would expect Mata and Sherratt to play with cider and Heronic. That was another thing that uh, he had been asked. He had mentioned Heronic Bertuzzi and Zadina by name a few times. So I don't think they are going anywhere. Who I um, did. Yep. Uh, Iserman says he doesn't really look to do more in free agency, but can explore some teams that have to make moves could be a potential fit says Wallman will get signed. Wallman did file for arbitration. Mm -hmm. We had pulled up his contract projection. It looks like, uh, according to evolving hockey, which they've been pretty close, except for Iserman this year, Iserman deals really throw off their projection because Iserman generally brings people in under value. So right now, Jake, uh, Jake Wallman filed for arbitration. It looks like he could get a two-year deal based on their projection at $997,800. So if you can bring in Jake Wallman for two years at under a million, 
Mm-hmm. That's a good deal. Ryan had also pointed out that Jake Wallman probably filed for arbitration so they could get that second buyout window. He'd been like, hey, hey, you're you're not going to sign yet. You're going to do this. And then we're going to come do an agreement. Yep. And then we're going to buy somebody's contract out. That is my tinfoil hat theory because it's, it happened last season. Right? Was it last year? Uh, Bertuzzi filed for arbitration. And, and I think that buyout window Nielsen. bought out, was that buying out Nielsen or was that buying out Ablocator? One of the two. Either one. Doesn't matter. Yep. yep. Yeah, it, it, it has happened with Iserman before. That's why I immediately thought this was going to be the case. Yeah. So that could happen there. Uh, Jake Wallman is out to start the season. He is recovering from shoulder surgery. He will not mm. play on opening night. Same with Robbie Fabry. I thought Robbie Fabry was actually slated to recover before training camp. But uh, Iserman says that Fabry will not be ready to start the season. So that gives you a little bit when of flexibility. did he actually go and get surgery? Before the end of the season, didn't he? Was it April-ish? It, yeah, I no, thought, it was way before that. I thought what he had was a six-month recovery time. Hmm. Which may, would make sense. That would take him to October. So he's probably not going to play. I would, I would assume Robbie Fabry will probably jump into the lineup between Thanksgiving and Christmas. That was my projection there. But it gives you a little wiggle room up front because you have a lot of forwards now. Iserman says he doesn't want to sign another significant free agent and put himself in the place where he has to trade someone. There go Mm -hmm. the Klingberg uh, rumors or rumblings or whatever. I know Merrick said. Yeah, Merrick said on 32 Thoughts that he thought the ultimate destination for Klingberg would be Detroit. Uh, After throwing it into the roster builder, I say no thank you. Uh, Let's see a couple other things on here. On Cop, he is an actual career center which is why they brought him in. He's versatile and at 28 was comfortable with five years because he's a good athlete and takes care of himself. Iserman really stressed that he doesn't see cop as a guy that in the next few years would break down easily that would come to get injured or wear out and need more rehabilitation and stuff. He says after watching cop in several settings, he's a very good athlete that takes care of himself. So he was comfortable with a five-year deal there for a guy that's actually a center and can play the center position responsibly. No, they need it. It's, it's simple. Like we saw them go that way in the draft. We saw them go that way with free agency. He fit, he filled need more than anything else. And I know that you always, we were talking about best player available for the draft, but he filled their spot of need this year, but it wasn't like, and some, I think it called some of the picks a bit of a stretch, but we'll see how they play out because we don't know how they'll play out. But it's no, it, it's it's exciting. They're, they're good picks. This team is better. That's what matters. Yep. Iserman says it's encouraging that they were able to sign players that are excited and genuinely interested in coming to Detroit. A lot of work and improvement to do, but with new guys coming in, they are trending in the right direction. That he'd rather have young guys go from the juniors to the AHL to the NHL instead of just being thrown into the NHL just because if they can play, they will create a spot for them. I think that's the big thing when they were asked about um, some of the rookies and guys like Bergeron and Edvinson, that if they can play, they will make a spot because it's all about making the team better. He will ice the best roster. Mm -hmm. When asked about Dominic Kubelik, Eiserman says they saw him a lot. He's big, can skate, has a great shot, and got him on a contract that's very reasonable. He had scoring depth, reached out to him through Yuri Fisher, and they are very pleased they got him. At the beginning, I think Iserman kind of hinted that they were surprised that they got Dominic Kubelik. 
or a surprise that Chicago let him go. I think that was the biggest thing coming off uh, th- an initial, like we had talked about 30 goal season in his rookie season, uh, getting Calder votes and then just getting trapped in the never ending black hole. That's the Chicago Blackhawks that even Scotty Bowman is escaping mm-hmm. that I, I think there's a chance that if he revitalizes that scoring touch, if he can come in and put up 20, 25 goals in his first season here and you got him on a two year cheap contract, I mean, that's a guy you, you can lock up because he's younger and you need depth scoring pieces. And if he can play a mid six to top six role, I mean, that's, that's extra ammo. Yeah. He, he will be, unless he's bought out who replaces probably Adam Ernie. Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, um, Adam Ernie, though. Now, granted, he, Ernie's probably more sound, I'm saying this loosely, defensively, because mm-hmm. Kubelik is there to score. He's not there to play defense. Oh, let's see. Let's we'll check see him on the PK. Yeah, I, I don't even think I can bring up. Uh, I can bring it up. Let me see what uh, Adam Ernie looks like here on the war charts. Adam Ernie's EV defense is a 47%. And Dominique Kubelik's EV defense is a 46. They're about the same defensively. Okay. Uh, Kubelik brings much more offensive firepower and is an overall war of 78, where Adam Ernie's war is a 22. So that is an absolute upgrade there. If you're saying he's an Adam Ernie replacement, I think he's going to play up higher in the lineup than Adam Ernie, even though Blash had Ernie on like the top line a few times. Mm-hmm. which it's, is extremely puzzling. But I, I think that's where we go with that is that if Kubli can come back, not come back to earth because that's kind of, he fell through the fucking towards the middle of the earth with the goddamn Chicago Blackhawks. But if he yeah, can bring his game back that, you know, he has because no one scores 30 goals on a fluke. I don't right. think that that's going to be a real asset, a young, real controllable asset you have going forward. I mean, you look at, I think we talked about this last week with him. If you look at his three-year running average, mm-hmm. that first season, that 30-goal year, even with two years after that, not really producing a whole lot, like he probably would have liked to, Yep, he still has positive numbers. Like I'm looking at sure. Evolving Hockey right now, and his overall is a 62 offense, 65 defense, 44. So he's played some power play. He's an even strength offense. Like that's where he really stood out. So I don't know. What's well, like the I same said, thing I said last week? He, he reminds me of a, you know, a version of Athanasiu. So we'll see, uh, see what happens. It's the same thing with the war charts. The war charts are three year weighted average. That's mm-hmm. taking into account his two terrible years with not terrible, but his two down years with Chicago. He still has a war above 70. Imagine if he kept up that 30 goal pace, he'd yeah. probably be in the nineties for war or high eighties. Yeah. And so, he'd be making a lot more money and still probably getting re-signed by Chicago. Exactly. So, well, I don't know about that because Chicago traded to bring it, but Kubelik at 26 years old with a two year contract at 2.5 million. If he balls out for those two years, I mean, you could give him a five year contract, especially if he helps your power play. Exactly. Special teams is another thing that Iserman kind of touched on. He said, with what we've got now, special teams should get much better. Uh, Stevie says it's been tough on guys like Larkin, Bertuzzi, and Hironic that they haven't, that the team hasn't been good. 
Now, if they have spots in camp, they fill spots to put the best team on ice. The messages they're improving and the moves they're making will make the team better. That's the message to the the guys like Larkin and Bertuzzi and Hironic to kind of instill that confidence in them. I think that's one of Hironic's big problems. Confidence is no longer there because the team is just not good. But now the team should be a lot better. Yep. Uh, the last thing they kind of wanted Stevie to touch on, he says that the guys are hardworking and professional. They elevate the atmosphere in the group. They enjoy competition and they like being pushed. The group, uh, the group they have are driven and motivated and should create more competition within the locker room. And when you have more competition in the locker room, your team is generally better. So that was the gist of the Steve Eiserman press conference. It was actually a really good one. I got a lot of good information from it, but mostly that Eiserman feels that the moves he made and why not? I mean, he's Steve Eiserman really improved the team. And again, he's not going to talk about playoffs because mainly if, if he talks about it and then they don't make it, he gets criticized. Yep. So yeah, I think but that is can be a like good alone step. and be like, well, the expectation needs to be calmed down a little bit. But then he, then he got criticized by people like, you're like, oh, your attitude should be your NHL coach. You should be going for the playoffs. Yeah, it was a stupid article. But Eiserman even said that Lalone and the assistant coaches are coming in. They're going to put in new systems. Of course, it's going to take time for the players to acclimate to those new systems. And you've got training camp. You've got preseason. The preseason games aren't all stacked up against each other this year. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a little bit more spread out. They're going to have more time to work on stuff. And that hopefully by the start of the season, they've got the systems down between camp, main camp and preseason. So yeah. uh, the next thing we kind of want to touch on is Philip Zadina, who was qualified he and we had a hard time going back and forth between him and it's going to be hard for him to, I think, break into a spot, not hard, but more difficult for him to break into the lineup this it year. It makes things more interesting. It I does. think he, he will get a spot and, but I'll, I'll let you finish then I'll get into yeah. that. Point. So Philip Zadina, his contract projection through evolving hockey would be a two year contract at 1.889 million. Right now, Philip Zadina is making uh oh god Philip Zadina is on a minimum no not a minimum contract he is on an AAV of 1.744167 which is like the world's most random number um his cap hit is 894,167 so Zadina I think I don't mind the number if you can get Zadina under 2 million for 2 years that's fine and then again you hope he shows out. You hope the coaching change and the systems yeah. change and the confidence in the coach and the player really fixes his problem. And we went, uh, we talked extensively with George Malik on Twitter, who, and, and I agree with him, says Zadina needs to stop trying to do the same thing over and over again. Yes. He needs to shoot from all areas of the ice. He needs to stop thinking he can take it in o the OV office and just score at will when he doesn't react fast enough to do that most of the time. And when he does, he rushes his shot and it goes right into the goalie's chest. It goes into panic so, mode. You, you yeah. can see it because his hands get quick. Yep. You just kind of, it's one of those where he's really not picking a shot. Like when he's set and like for on the one timer, for instance, or if he actually controls the puck and is just boom, boom, like very little thinking. It's an effective looking shot. He's, he's yep. throwing it into traffic. 
or he's able to pick his points. We, we know that the shot's there. We've seen him do it. Yep. We know it's that a lot of the placement. Yeah. And we know when there's people in front, he's been able to somehow always hit a guy that's in front of him. I shouldn't say always, but quite often, a lot of his goals aren't a clean beat. He's throwing yep. them off a leg, but he's getting them on the net, which is better more often than not than, you know, the logo in the middle of your chest, which we yeah. see far too often. I mean, I'd even rather him throw it low, shoot for a rebound yeah. at least. Yep. And we saw that. Well, that, wait, that was the, did he score off the, the mogul that shot like that shot pass, if you will, I, that scored that? Who was that? I think it was Zadina that did that. But the thing is, is that as long as he can get his confidence back, not grip the stick so much, I think mm-hmm. George said he went through like five different stick brands last season just to try to figure really? out what wasn't, what wasn't working. And I think it's, he's trying too much. I think what mm-hmm. Lalonde should sit down or Lalone should sit down and do is just get, sit him down, calm him down, tell him to reset himself and just go. Nice. Yeah. Just pet him nice. nicely and say, nice. nice, be quiet. Just I mean, reset we, we saw, we, there's no doubt that his, 200 foot game improved. And mm-hmm. I know that that was hammered home hard by Blash and especially Eisman going into last season in particular. And I think a lot of that was because, well, they knew the defense was completely hot garbage. Bad, very bad. So you needed to rely on your forwards to make those extra plays. So we, I mean, we talked about it quite a bit that he's better in the corners, better at puck retrieval. The playmaking's there. Mm-hmm. Not afraid to make his way ass back up the ice, but the turnovers did happen more often than they needed to. But the biggest difference in those turnovers is that several were costly. Like yeah. they came back to immediately bite Detroit in the ass, meaning a goal against. So it's that kind of goes to the maybe the try too hard aspect. It's but trying to again, do too I much go, himself. That's where I make the comparison of him to a Tatar, where he did that a lot, trying to do too much himself, and it got him in trouble, which then led to turnovers. And then we were like, what are you doing? You're not Datsuk. Yeah. So it was, I don't know. I, I, I think a position is his to lose I think rather so than to try to take it back from someone that doesn't, hasn't, doesn't have it yet. I think it's going to be a higher hill to climb for Bergeron to crack the roster with these changes. It's not saying that it's out of the the question that he can make it, but I think it's, I mean, now granted, we also still need a contract for Zadina. Yeah. So that could happen at any point or he holds out into the season and then this all becomes whatever and be like, okay, well, somebody else is getting your spot and that's probably going to be it. Yeah. But I think after Iserman, name dropping Zadina. I think he yeah. will get another chance. And and Lalone did a a little report. There was a write-up saying that Zadina is kind of the guy that that maybe can benefit more from having a coaching change, from having a different voice, from having mm-hmm. another set of eyes come in and tell him what he needs to do. A lot of and, fans are open that too. And yeah, I, I'm hoping it initially I said, well, I think Bergren could come in and really show out like show up Zadina mm-hmm. and say, it's my spot. What's up? It's Greg here from the Grindline podcast with a message from Manscaped. Growing out your playoff beard, let that thing loose up top, but our friends at Manscaped are here to help you avoid a jumbo Joe downstairs. 
The global leaders in below-the-waist grooming want to save your hockey pucks from a slap shot in crunch time this playoff season. Four million men worldwide trust Manscaped to prepare them for the Stanley Cup. Join them and go to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code GRINDLINE. Shaving your ball starts with the perfect package for your package, the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and has a 400K LED spotlight when you need a more precise shave. The Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer is also included in this package, which is also waterproof, uses skin-safe technology, so you can keep the unnecessary roughness on the ice where it belongs. There is no more pinching. There is no more pulling. There's no more crying because you're ripping out your nose hairs. Shaves them clean off with no issues at all whatsoever. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant to keep your balls sticking to your legs from end to end. No one will be chirping you anymore. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will give your balls a moost. Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag. Amazing bag, super soft, has just enough room for all the tools plus some extras. It's not too big. Uh, My problem is generally that the bags are too small and cannot fit everything, so I end up throwing extra stuff in a backpack. This bag is just the right size. The boys will be buzzing this Stanley Cup lineup from Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GRINDLINE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code GRINDLINE at manscaped.com. Don't be a goon fighting your bush with the wrong trimmer. Choose the right tools for the job this playoff season with Manscaped. And that's the thing is there's going to be a lot of competition. And I ran the War Roster Builder, Jay Fresh's newest version of the War Roster Builder, where last season's projected, based on our lines, uh, for our, our roster from last year, the projected points that we could have reached was 81. Uh, we fell under that because of several blowouts the last half of the season. I think if we would have kept going like the first half, we would have overachieved that goal, definitely. Yeah. But, I mean, we were, what, what do we end with, 76? Mm. I think it was 76 points uh, this last season. So we were off by five points which is not terrible based on projections of the actual lineup. So looking at this one and I swapped out all the names and I still have Jake Wallman in here. Sure, on I finished with 74. Okay. 74. So that's a seven point difference yeah. uh, based on what we were projected to do, which again is that's still not injured fabric. Yeah. So that's three and a half game difference, which is I think pretty accurate, right? Yeah. So looking at it now, uh, I swapped. So here are my projected lines and you tell me what you think. And I put these up on Twitter and a lot of people agreed with me. I think that Ansar Khan from MLive, his was one player off. And I even did that swap because I think they're now, I think they're going to give Zadina a chance, mm-hmm. but you've got your top line of, and I initially had Verona up there, but I swapped out the anger management of the top six, Tyler Bertuzzi, Dylan Larkin, Lucas Raymond, top line. Yep. I initially had Verona and Bert swapped, but I think Bert brings a little bit more toughness to the top line. So I he can go in and retrieve pucks for Larkin and Raymond. Perfectly fine. Second line, Jacob Verona, Andrew Kopp, David Perron. That line is going to be an absolute bitch to play against. <laughs> Andrew Kopp and David Perron are just going to go around making life hell for people and opening yep. the ice for Verona. I love that line. Amazing. Third line, Dominic Kubelik, Pia Suter, Philip Zadina. I like the scoring of that line. If Zadina can refine his scoring, Kubelik can refine his scoring. Suter's a good setup guy. And I'll take that line as your third line. Fourth line, I'm confused 
and I asked this question, but I have not gotten an answer yet from Jay Fresh. In his system, he has a Joe Valeno, but he also has a Joseph Valeno. And I don't know if really? that's just Joe Valeno with like a top hat and a monocle or something just a little fancier because he's a Joseph. But the third line I have as Joe slash Joseph Valeno, Michael Rasmussen and Oscar Sundquist. The Joe Valeno has the Red Wings logo next to his name. Joseph does not. Has an NHL logo. I know. Yes. Um, they get you about the same response. But Joe Valeno, Michael Rasmussen and Oscar Sundquist for a bottom line. I like that line too. Michael Rasmussen stepped up his game. Yep. You might even at this point flip Rasmussen and Suter. Because I think if you give the Kubelik and Zadina line a bigger center, you, you kind of move your size around because Sunquist is a big guy. Mm-hmm. And if you move Suter down, Joe Valeno, Pia Suter, Oscar Sunquist. We've seen Oscar Sunquist's ability to finish. We've seen Pia Suter's ability to set people up. We've seen Joe Valeno play hockey. So, I mean, the, the jury's still out on Joe Valeno, but that forward war for, that, for all four lines is a 13.8. I like it. The defense is a little low. The only line that comes in as a projected war negative is the fourth. But I mean, you can kind of afford that at that point. Mm -hmm. Your defensive pairs, I have Ben Schrott more at Cider. I think Ben Schrott knocks people on their asses and gives Mo Cider the freedom to do whatever he wants. Oli Mata and Philip Hronik, Jake Wallman and Mark Pissick as your bottom pair. You got to take Wallman out of that now, though. You do, but I have no one to replace him with. Currently, I, I'm saying if if the full lineup went, I can't put Edvinson in because Edvinson has no projections because right. he has no background. Well, that's I think where you Edvinson go. I think that's play. where you just kind of default the way to Pizik and Lindstrom. Okay, you do Until, that, and I think it drops us by a few points. It drops yeah. you to 99. 99. But again, you're not losing Wallman for the whole season, and you're probably going to have Edvinson, which knock someone else out swapping the um the tandem doesn't do anything but right and then you have your goalie tandem of alex nadalkovich and billy huso so right now and i want to get rid no get gustav lindstrom's name off of here with what i did initially are we editing the same one right now uh yeah we are uh <laughs> with, with uh with what i put out initially the projected standing points for the new roster is 101. That is a 20 point improvement over last season, which I did think. They, did they say how long Wallman would be out? Uh, no, but it was shoulder surgery and he just said it would not be ready for the start of the season. Was it labrum? I don't know. He said shoulder, which is more than you really get from anyone. Normally it's just upper body injury, but Eiserman right. did say it was a shoulder injury. So, gotcha. but. 101 points mm-hmm. gets you a wild card spot. Probably. It oh, gets 99 you a wild points card. could get you a wild card spot. 99 points wild could card. get you a wild card spot, depending on how other teams are going to fare. I think Boston drops. Tampa lost a, a little bit, but not a lot. They signed some big contracts that I thought were too much term. I think mm-hmm. that you could, and then not a lot of other, I mean, Ottawa is going to be stronger next season. Ottawa will improve because they got to brink it and they made some other moves that helped them out. Mm-hmm. I don't see Buffalo improving very much, but they're going to also be a young team. I think that the, the Red Wings, like we said, are closer than they were the day before free agency to a wild card spot. And I, at this point would not be surprised if they grabbed one. 
but I like, I like the, I like the roster builder. I, we improved in nearly every aspect. And, and that's, that's a significant amount of points more too. I mean, look, we were looking 20, at what you said, huge. the projection was 81 and now you're looking at potentially 20 more points based on the player changes that were made. I mean, what's interesting to me is that for a guy that hasn't had any NHL time, you put him in Bergeron in <laughs> yeah. over uh, Zadina and the projected points go up. Yeah, I noticed that too. Uh, especially if you come in here and get rid of Gustav Lindstrom's name and put in Jake Wallman, uh-huh. you go back up to 101. Yeah, with Wallman so, and Bergeron in the lineup. So I think is- that you're, and that's why I look at it and I go, Bergeron is so gifted. He is such a good playmaker. He's going to be incredible. He's going to be so hungry to earn a spot. And I just worry that him not making it would be discouraging. And Lars brought up 21. Lars brought up the point that if he is discouraged and says, I want to go back to the SHL, then what happens? Then we're screwed. Not the rights are gone. This will write out his, his final, the term. And then he goes and signs with a new team. Yeah. And I don't know if he's the kind of guy that would do that, but that the possibility of that happening is there. Yeah. So I think it's some, somehow they make room. I think, I think trades are still happening. I, you got to trade someone. I'm almost wondering at this point, what gives, I mean, I, we think there might be a buyout. That's pure speculation. What if they trade PS Suter? We know Joe Valeno and Michael Rasmussen can both play center. Right. But you want Valeno. I think the pre- preference, at least for us, maybe would be Raz at the wing. But you're not hurt by, I think, bumping Valeno up. Can you play uh, Bergeron at center? No. Does he? Can he play center? I mean, anyone can play center. Well, that's different. Luke Witkowski could play center, remember? Oh, here we go. Um, Jonathan Bergeron is is just... I feel like he's too good to leave off the team at this point. He's only listed on elite prospects as a left wing. That's what I thought. I don't... At this point, I don't know. I, I would say if you come down to it and you don't really want to lose or have the potential to lose Bergeron, you've got to kind of figure out what you need to do at that point, because I don't think you lose him. I don't think you can, you can lose him. Mm-hmm. There are a bunch of, there was a couple of people that said, just let him go. And they, they do that no. with a lot of people just let him go. He hasn't proven anything. Well, then yeah. you don't pay any True. attention. That does say, then you haven't seen what he's done in Grand Rapids. Like when I finally, when the wife and I finally made our trip out there and I got to see him in person, it's fire, man. What he was doing offensively wasn't fair. And the way that I mean by that is the passes that he could make. Yeah. He was a step ahead of everyone on the ice. He makes Dylan Larkin type passes. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's pretty good company. Neither I think level passing. That, that, well, that's where I've said before, and I know it's probably a stretch, but like his playmaking reminded me and it's fitting. That's a countryman of Zetterberg. Yeah. And the way that he just like, you don't think he's going to make a pass. Then all of a sudden it's on the the tape of another, another player. That's what he does. And for a team, they've brought in goal scorers now. Yep. That's where having a player 
like him, even if he's on the third line with the way that they're spreading this team out, you're not hurt. But now the issue we're running into is when Robbie Fabry comes back, then what moves? Yeah. Because so, we're not even talking about Giovanni Smith or Adam Ernie in these rosters, and they're yeah, still technically on this roster. I know, but are they going to get picked up? I highly doubt it. Jordan but, Osterley is still on the roster. I know. So there's going to be a lot that's going to have to change because you signed Wallman and Zadina, you're over the roster limit. Yep. And, and that's why I talked about until, trades. Huh? And that's why I talked about trades. It seems inevitable. You got to. Mm-hmm. So I think if you, I think, like I said, I think at this point you're happy with your bottom two centers. If you put Rasmussen and Valeno at center, you could trade a PS Suter. That frees up a roster spot. Yeah. I mean, I like the size of Sunquist on the bottom six. I like the playmaking of Sunquist on the bottom six. You just brought in all of his friends, basically. <laughs> you brought in Billy Huso. You and brought in David Perron. Sunquist can play center. He can. So there's another option. You want to keep Rasmussen on the wing? Sunquist can play center. So you move Joe Valeno up to your third line center. You put Sunquist on your fourth line center. And the big thing about Sunquist too, I mean, you you mentioned bringing in all of his friends. All of his friends are aggressive type players. And we saw that St. Louis was an aggressive team. If Sunquist, if somebody was screwing with Larkin or whomever else, he was like, nah, you can get fucked. Yeah. And he's not so, afraid to beat people up, and he has the crazy eyes. Yeah. No, look at his, his his teeth are crazy too. Yeah. Like, he's not afraid of getting punched in the face. Yeah, he's like he's, he's got, got he's got, he's got fuck around and find out face. That's what he's got, yeah, right? pretty much. Um, so it's it's it it's a weird situation to finally be talking like this. And it's not the only shitty part is that there's no true. I mean, we know who these stars, quote unquote, of this team are, but it's not. After you get past those couple players, the line is thin. Yeah. But what I mean by that is like there's a couple of guys we think can just see ya, but the rest, it's like, where do you put them? How are you how are you gonna slot this lineup? Is it gonna be good regardless? Probably. But it's those fringe guys like the Z- Zadina, I think, like we said, is in what's Bergen gonna do? What happens when Fabric comes back? Is Giovanni Smith in or out? Is Adam Ernie on his way out? Is he going to get bought out if Wallman gets that contract and whatever happens there? It's weird. It's, it's a, a lot different, of questions. It's a completely different situation that, than we're accustomed to. And I'm not mad about it. No, it's a good, it's like, stressful situation. <laughs> yeah. I think that, like you said, so do we package a couple players? And I know they mentioned Bertuzzi by name, but his, his name has gone around in several trade mills. So is Eiserman. Do they package a Bertuzzi and a suitor? And I mean, again, you're going to have a glut of defensemen. Do they package a Bertuzzi, a suitor, and a defenseman and send them to Toronto? For who? For a Nylander and something else. Forward? Mm. Yeah. I mean, you're getting you're getting rid of two spot forward spots there and adding a forward. So you're really getting you're only freeing up one forward spot. I mean, Burt and Suter gives you oh, right about eight million. What's Marner making? Or is making over six. Nylander. Yeah, you're putting more money into Toronto's pocket. You have to retain. Now, granted, they're both one-year deals, so you could retain half of Burt's salary in that case. You could. Yep. I mean, you, yeah, you want to go crazy? Get Mitch Marner. Uh, sure. it, get John Tavares. Shit. That million-year contract. 
I Toronto's going to have to make something happen because they want to re-sign Rasmus Sandin. Or do you trade Bertuzzi and Suter to Toronto and retain salary mm-hmm. and take back yeah. a cap dump player and and a Rasmus Sandin? And say anything you make with Toronto, you have to retain. I, I don't think there's going to be any way around that. And you have to take a bad value contract, probably. Yep. So Which do you do that? Got, let's see. Who do they have? You have them up? I'm pulling it up. I don't have Toronto up currently, no, because I just thought about this off the top of my head. Are you saying we would pull a forward contract or a defense contract? I would probably say a defense contract that you can sit. None, none of them. Because you're you either getting Morgan Riley, you can sit. who's not coming in, or Jake Muzzin. Oh, TJ Brody, but I mean, he's... he's <laughs> the problem with their defense, other than Timothy Lilligren, is you've got Morgan Riley, no movement. Yep. Jake Muzzin, no trade. TJ Brody, no trade. Justin Hall, modified no trade. So Yeah, they like to give the no are, trade clauses to all, their, to all their people. They're, they do the Ken Holland specials on those. Though we do have updates on the Red Wings contracts. Uh, Andrew Kopp has a modified no trade. David Perron has a modified no trade. Ben Schrott has a modified no trade. Hey, I'll take that. That's not a, a that's not a no bullshit. You can't trade me deal. It's 10 team, no trade list. Uh, very, very easy to work around. Billy yeah. Huso also has a modified no trade. We're not going to trade Billy Huso in the three years that he's here. No. The only, and then the ones only, I the only person that has, you cannot trade me is Larkin. Uh, yeah, he now has a full no trade clause. Yep. So, and I'm not trading Larkin in the last year of his contract anyways, when, and here's the other bit of news, uh, Steve Eiserman said he would love to keep Dylan Larkin for his entire career. So that's significant. I think the thing is, is that, and someone else brought it up too, is that, and I've held this feeling, I think Steve Eiserman sees some of himself in Dylan Larkin, not talent wise, because Steve Eiserman is one of the, he's a top 50 hockey player of all time. Mm-hmm. But leadership wise, situational wise, yeah, Steve Eiserman sees a lot of himself in Dylan Larkin, which is great. And player type as well. Sure, I'd say. I mean, you said the skill isn't there, which we know. No one's topping what Eiserman could do, especially in Detroit. But I think Larkin, especially the last two seasons, has had to embrace the defensive aspect of his game, and we saw it the most last season before he got hurt. Yep. And what was the biggest? Thing, and we've talked about this before that Iserman had to do, especially when Scotty Bowman came in to make this team better. It, he had to embrace defense, adapt his game. We saw the conversations with Steven Stamkos over in Tampa. He did the same thing. Like these captains are making the even, even Ovechkin, Mr. My Controller died when I'm skating back yeah. up the ice, was playing defense in their cup runs. So yeah. the, the changes are being made, and he's 25. He'll be 26 in a couple of weeks. So and he's getting married. Congratulations, Dylan Larkin. Yay. Um, but the exact quote, before I get it wrong, he did a an interview with 97 on the ticket. His quote is he's the captain of our team, a player that I think is going to be one of the leaders and will play an important role in us being a Stanley Cup contender one day. Iserman says he hopes to keep Dylan Larkin for his entire career. That is what he said. So I agree. Dylan mm-hmm. Larkin is, is the Detroit Red Wings. Dylan Larkin is the Detroit Red Wings. Whether he is playing first line or second line under Austin Matthews, 
or <laughs> which I really lit a fire under a bunch of people's asses today oh, with that one. You got people going with that. Mad. So mad. So mad about Austin Why Matthews. So people, mad? people to the point of they said they would not know. They're like, Austin Matthews is a pussy. I don't want him on our team. Like, you don't you care. You don't want one of the best offensive players in the entire game on our team. Yeah. You don't you don't Maybe want not. that? No. Not at all. Hey, is it his weird mustache and receding hairline? Be a fucking bitch boy all day. I don't care. Sure. Is he going to go? The biggest thing is, is he's there to score fifty goals. Put him on the wing. Put him on the wing. Okay. Don't, don't care. Put put him, Larkin, and Raymond together. And great. Yeah, we and saw what we saw what Michael Bunting could do with him. Yeah, Jesus Christ, that fucking dinosaur had a career year where he got <laughs> Calder votes out of it. But yeah, Austin Matthews, Dylan, move Dylan Larkin to the wing. Austin Matthews, Dylan Larkin, and Lucas Raymond. You'd be fucking kidding me Shit. with that line. Verona, Bert. And I think that Lucas Raymond could be better than Mitch Marner. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... I'll, I'll, I'll drink that Kool-Aid all day. And everyone says he's going back to the desert. Like, why the fuck would he want to end his career with the Arizona Coyotes? But I wonder if when they get a new arena in Tempe, will become the Tempe Coyotes. Mm. Yeah, they'll probably keep the state. Yeah, I mean, they, they were Phoenix forever without playing in Phoenix. So that's true. Um, I think that's where we're going to end it tonight. We have a really good situation for the Detroit Red Wings. Finally, we will get more on this once more information comes out again. Once Philip Zena signs his contract, mm-hmm. once Jake Wallman signs his contract. It'll be a really interesting time. Um, before we do final thoughts, if you guys stay tuned to our Twitter page, um, we are going to be doing a giveaway. We got some sweet books from Keith Gave to give away. He wrote a new book called Vlad the Impaler. It's more like untold stories from the Russian Five. It's really cool stuff. My wife is currently reading it. She said it's very interesting. So we got some of those giveaway. I'm going to kind of turn it into a prize pack, I think. I think I'll do a shirt, some stickers, Ooh. a book. I need to get more shirts printed but I might have a different source for them now that can do them a little better. Not a little yeah. better, but a little quicker. So uh, stay tuned yeah. for that. But Ryan, final thoughts. Um, I don't really have any. I mean, this is the most exciting off season that we've had in a very long time. And like, I would say going back to when they were still scratching themselves into the playoffs and we were, we had a, a Papal Datsik and Henrik Zetterberg still on the roster. Mm-hmm. Like that's how long it's been since we've probably been able to be this excited about what is potentially there for this team. And again, if they're healthy, who knows what could happen if they can put a full season together with the type of guys they brought in. It's this will be fun hockey. Ideally. People have also Every- noticed that we're more happy. Uh, we got a lot of comments like, Oh my God, you guys are, it's exciting because you're being so positive. I'm like, we have stuff to finally be positive about. <laughs> <laughs> We're projected to be potentially a hundred point hockey team. We haven't been able to say that in a while. Yeah, sure. So no, be like happy. getting to 90 would be fantastic. It's going to be a happy but, season. That's what we're saying. Yeah. So it's, it, it's, it's a good feeling. It's the feeling of old, I guess is maybe a, pro, a, a good way to put it. And Again, everything, we need to stay healthy, and we'll see how things play out. We've still got a couple more months, so a lot can still happen. And because 
like I said, the, the, you get Wallman and Zadina under contract and you're over the avail, the proper roster limit. And the only guys that you can technically send down to clear waivers, they're not going anywhere. So yep. something's going to have to give. I think there's a few obvious waiver transactions that'll happen. But, I mean, we're really just going to have to do the wait and see unless a trade happens. So yeah, it's exciting. I like it. It's uh, There's a lot of buzz on the socials and it's, it's a good feeling. So we'll see what happens, but already Ryan 33. My final thoughts are going to be the same. Welcome to the positive grind line podcast where we're not going to bitch about everything all the time, unless it goes terribly wrong. Positive. Yeah, absolutely positive. Mm, Phrasing. Yeah, no, I don't want to say we're positive. We are not positive (laughs) for anything currently, except for this team. Um, I don't know. We can smile. (laughs) I think that, it's going to be, we're trending in the right direction. Basically what Iserman says is the team is trending in the right direction. And he hopes that the moves that he has made this off season, help the PK help all the special teams, help us be better defensively. He said, we got bigger on the blue line, which is true. Yeah. So I have a reason to be positive. So I think this is the first, this is the first time I think since the inception of this podcast that we might have an overall positive season and it's going to be real weird. Hey, the moment that we're able to nitpick a win, sure, that'll be. I mean, that could potentially, potentially. Ryan, the day where we plan an episode where we have a week's worth of wins that we have to dissect what went wrong in the wins, I will pop a bottle of champagne in my office. <laughs> for we'll, the, need, we'll need to do this one that. together. We'll have to Absolutely. be in the same location. Yeah, I'll, I'll rent us an office somewhere and we will record the champagne episode of we have a week of wins, but what went wrong during these wins? Mm-hmm. And we can be happy and drink champagne and discuss a great Red Wings team. Um, Speaking of live or together episodes, barring what happens with uh, the home opener weekend, we mm-hmm. should absolutely record on that Saturday. Yes. So Ryan Tyler in town and will also be likely with a few other podcasts. That yeah. Day. Mm-hmm. Ryan's mm. family barbecue, Twitter family barbecue with the grind line podcast, uh, unsung octopi. And now the new three, one, three podcast. Yes. Which is uh, Jake Rivard's new podcast. If you guys want to go check have, that out. I like, I like both their logos, how they both turned out. I do too. And I'm going to be making a um, YouTube background for Jake here pretty soon. So I volunteered my pro bono graphic design work for Jake for a YouTube background, but yeah, it's going to be, it'll be exciting. And yes, we should do a live podcast. We'd also talk to Daniela about this season, probably going out to Grand Rapids. So that'd be uh, great. You can follow me online at bringing the wing, follow the grind line podcast online at Grindline pod. We like to thank the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting us and spreading our podcast around to everyone. We also like to thank Vintage Detroit for just being awesome. It's the only place you should get your jerseys. You can follow them at Vintage Detroit on Twitter. If you use the promo code GRINDLINE on Howie's Hockey Tape, you'll get 10% off. And if you use that same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you'll get 12% off. I'm still working with them on that shirt design. We will be launching it shortly after I pick a charity for the proceeds to go to. I think I am leaning toward the Detroit Red Wings Foundation, but I might also talk to Darren about the uh, about Joe Koser's um, charity, the mm. Koser Foundation, who helps children and parents in need. 
So as soon as we do that, the design is pretty sweet. Everyone will see it. You can go buy that shirt for bringing hockey back and the proceeds will go to a Red Wings charity that we are going to work with. Awesome. Yep. And again, contest coming out with Keith Gave. You can also check out our Redbubble, our merch on Redbubble. Uh, my new Moe Cider Jesus shirt looks freaking <laughs> amazing. I think I'm going to buy it in a tank top and oh, I will God. wear it on one of the podcasts because it just looks so good. Um, but you can go to redbubble.com and search the grind line and find it there. You can also check out our website, grindlinepodcast.com, where I still have to update the rosters, but you can find our merch there too. But that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy, hockey town.